pretty yellow paper. Um, but uh, we, are, we are blessed to have some really good uh, good people. And good women too, but I'm on the men today. Uh, and so um, thank you all uh, for what you do. All right, Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the second part of this story. Uh, I said I was uh, actually intending uh, what I had originally uh, prayed over and thought about was um, to, I was done with the prodigal son last week. Uh, and then pretty much as soon as church was over last week, uh, maybe even before, maybe even while I was preaching, I realized, now we need to deal with the, the other part uh, of this story. Not just the brother that left, but the brother uh, that uh, stayed home. Uh, just to refresh your memory, uh, in case you weren't here last week or uh, not familiar with the story, uh, we have a, a, a parable, uh, which is a story uh, that Jesus would tell uh, to illustrate a point. Uh, to get a, a spiritual, it would be a, uh, a story that everybody would understand, but with a spiritual meaning. And this particular story tells uh, of a man that had two sons, and one of the sons uh, that we looked at last week got a little, uh, I don't know if he was greedy, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why. Uh, but he decided, he went to his father and said, can I have my half of the inheritance now? And he took his half and he went off to the big city, wasted his money, uh, ended up broke, living in a pig pen. Um, and he finally, uh, the Bible says, he came to himself. Uh, boy, wouldn't it be good if some people in our world today and our culture would come to themselves. Uh, and he went home. Uh, and the father welcomes him home, throws a big feast for him, uh, and uh, they kiss and make up, and everything between these two is good. However, there is another brother, and that's what we want to look at today. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me. I'm going to, I'm going to read this story uh, because I want you to have it in your mind as uh, we, uh, as we uh, talk about it today. I want you to have the details of the story uh, in, uh, in your mind. Uh, Luke 15, beginning in uh, verse 25, uh, the Bible says there, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came in and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants. And let me just point out, that must have been some kind of party, I understand how he heard music, but if he heard dancing, they was having a party. I mean, they were celebrating, heard dancing, heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what these things mean? And he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound, and he was angry. The, the other brother was angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed uh, I at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, thou, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy 
brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, come to you this morning. Thank you for this uh, passage, for this story uh, that uh, your son shared. Uh, God, I pray today uh, that you will speak through me, uh, speak clearly. Uh, God, the issue that is before us today, uh, as uh, we open this passage up, uh, is one that uh, plagues many. Uh, we wrestle with the issue of unresolved anger, bitterness, um, and uh, God, we pray today that you will uh, open our hearts, open our minds, and we will see it for what it is. Uh, God, deal with it uh, for the sin that it is, uh, and uh, remove it from our life. Allow you uh, to perform surgery here this morning, uh, dealing with this, uh, this cancer, this root, uh, as uh, the book of Hebrews calls it, a root uh, of bitterness. And we'll give you the honor for all you do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Everyone in this room, everybody joining us online, at some point uh, has felt hurt or wrong uh, by another person uh, or perhaps even uh, a group of people. It may have not been recently, uh, but um, everyone in this room uh, has experienced uh, that uh, event. Uh, maybe you've been wrongly accused, um, whatever, uh, that ultimately uh, led to a case of bitterness uh, in our heart. Uh, what is so sad uh, about bitterness um, as, uh, and I don't know who uh, to accredit this original quote to, uh, but uh, what someone has said about bitterness uh, is bitterness is the one thing in this world that does more damage to the vessel it's held in than to what it's poured on. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever had the experience of being angry, bitter towards someone and come to the conclusion, the realization that as much as it was eating you up and as bitter and as angry as you were at that person, they didn't even know it. They, they didn't have a clue of just how unhappy uh, you actually were. And these things, um, they're like, um, uh, like uh, poison ivy or something, like kudzu. Uh, if you uh, ever saw kudzu on a hill, uh, you know, you don't have to have it about that much kudzu tomorrow uh, to have a city full the next day. And, and that's what happens uh, with bitterness. It tends to grow. Uh, you get bitter uh, at someone. You get uh, bitter at, uh, for whatever reason, at Melissa. Uh, before long, now you're bitter at Kevin too. Uh, then you're bitter at Debbie, and then you're bitter at Angel, and then you're bitter at Amanda, and then you and then nobody can ever be bitter with Sweet Dale, uh, you know. And then uh, just, but it just starts, you know. It just, and then it's Bobby, and, and then it, you know, before long you just mad with the whole town bunch, you know. It's just the way it spreads, and then it gets even worse. It then it starts if, if you don't deal with it, you're not only bitter at Melissa and all the rest of the talents. 
Then before long, you're bitter at anybody else who isn't bitter at the challenge. You know, it's just how bitterness is just a, it just, it just tends to grow and to spread. This story is a perfect example. Who was the son the brother originally bitter with? He was bitter with his brother. He was angry with his brother. But very quickly, he became angry with his father. And I'm sure if this story was allowed to play out, he would have not only been bitter with his brother, uh, but he would have been bitter with his father. And eventually he would have ended up angry at everybody who went to his brother's party. It would have just continued uh, to mushroom. And that's the danger uh, that uh, we see uh, in bitterness. And bitterness simply, you may not want to accept this, but bitterness is not just an attitude. Bitterness is a sin. Bitterness is a sin that hinders the blessings of God uh, in our life, that keeps God from doing uh, what uh, he wants to do uh, in our life. And so uh, this morning as we uh, look at this and this unforgiving, bitter brother, uh, I, I want you to... Nobody can, you know, I can't stand up here. Well, I might for some of you because I know your story. Uh, you know, I might can call you out if I, you know, if I, if that was the, if I chose to go that route. Uh, but nobody knows really, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, again, what's going on in your heart, uh, how you're feeling uh, about someone, a situation. And, and what's worse, it may be something that happened 40 years ago. It may be something that, that is, is, Oh, I mean, way back in your life, back when you were a child, isn't it? You know, there are people uh, who are dealing with bitterness towards a, a school teacher from back when they were in school who treated them poorly, or a parent, or you know, a coworker. I mean, it goes way back, and they've been carrying it uh, for all these years. And what we're going to see this morning, again, these parables are earthly stories with kingdom meaning. And so we're going to see the kingdom secret for dealing with bitterness. First thing we've got to understand as we look at this is to understand the cause of bitterness. What actually causes us to be bitter? Now I know the first response most people uh, are going to come up with. The first response when you say what causes bitterness is, well, you don't know what they did to me. You're right. You, you, I, you're right. I probably, I, in some cases I may, uh, but uh, the thing is, that's really not the cause. That, that's really not what's happening that makes a person bitter. Look at this story again. The elder son was in the field. He came, drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and said, what's this mean? And the brother says, your father's killed the fatted calf and, uh, and, and because your brother, his other son, has come home. So as we see that, what we understand is the prodigal, obviously, he had come home. And he had been welcomed. We talked about this last week, that the father had probably been going out every day and watching for his son. He saw his son come home. And, and when he did, he threw out, uh, threw out the proverbial red carpet and, and, and welcomed his son back home. Well, the older son, uh, the younger son here, he's been out rambling around the big city. Uh, he, he spent up all his inheritance. And obviously the Bible tells us what about the older son. The older son was in the field. 
So I don't know about how many of you have been there, uh, but in this room, I'd say a good many of you, you don't typically, he wasn't out in the field playing rolling back. Uh, you know, he was in the field working. Uh, he was tending to the fields. He was tending to the crops. He was tending to the animals. And those of you who have done that know that's not a walk in the park. Now, in his mind, his brother has been in a walk uh, in the park. So he asked the servants, what the world's going on around here? I'm out in the field working and y'all up here playing music and having a party. You know, what in the world is happening in this house? And that's when he finds out, hey, your brother has come home. Now, let me remind you of something else that's been going on the whole time the brother has been gone. If the younger brother is gone, before the younger brother left, how many people were working in the field? At least two. The younger brother's gone. Now, how many is working in the field? One. And so the whole time the younger brother's been gone, the older brother's been toting the note. He's been having to do extra work. I don't know how they worked their chores in that time, how these two brothers had worked it out. Perhaps one of them got up early and, and, and milked and fed the cows one day and the other one did it the next day. Well, when the brother's gone, guess what? You know, perhaps in, when brother was home, they took the field. They said, all right, from here over, I'll hold this side and you hold this side. Guess what? Whole field is the older brothers now. And so he comes home, comes out of all of that and finds out that his younger brother has come home. Now, I don't know necessarily that he was all that upset because his younger brother came home. In fact, he might have been excited that his younger brother come home for the reason I just told you. Yeah. Now, well, I sure am glad to see you. Here's your shovel. <laughs> here's your hoe. Yeah, those are your cows to tend to. Yeah, that, that, here's your chore list back. But what upset him was when he come home, instead of hearing what he might, instead of hearing somebody in the kitchen cooking his supper, he hears a party going on. He hears music. He sees them dancing. And all he can think about is how faithful he's been to his father all this time. We don't know how long the younger brother was gone. Months, weeks, days, years, don't know. But all we do know is during that whole time, the older brother had remained faithful. He had been in the field. He had been obeying all of his father's commands. He had been doing everything he was told to do, taking care of everything. And this low life younger brother who I, I'm an only child, so I can't identify other than watching some of y'all and, and my own children. I can only imagine that the older brother thought that the younger brother was spoiled anyway. Debbie, shake your head, Wes. I'm just telling you. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he looks up, and as he comes home, here it is. The son that has been gone is getting a party. This no-count deserter. This, in his mind, in the older brother's mind, probably a thief. Uh, no-count, low-life guy. He's been away having a party already. 
and spending his inheritance. He calls it. He says he's been out wasting his money on, on harlots and riotous living, prostitutes, while I'm here sweating and tolling, tending to the field, taking care of daddy, taking care of the house, doing it all by myself, all this time. And as he got there, listen, here's what it amounts to. Bitterness has nothing to do with what people do to us. You hear me here? Bitterness has nothing to do with what people do to us. Bitterness has everything to do with what happens in us. You with me? Somebody, listen. You'll hear people make this statement. He made me mad. No, he didn't. He did something dumb. But you made yourself mad. Somebody can't make you, if somebody can make you mad, somebody can make you happy. If they can make you happy, they can bottle it up and sell it and be rich. We choose how we're going to respond. How we respond to what others do around us, that's the issue. That's the ultimate cause. Listen, this son, the younger, the younger son didn't do anything to the older son. The older son saw what the younger son did. The, young, the older son, listen, the older son could have came, listen, let, think about this for a minute. The older son could have just as easily, instead of being bitter, could he have not chosen to be happy and go to the park? Couldn't he? Didn't he have that option? He could have been thrilled to death to see his brother, went through his arm around his brother, kissed his uh, cheeks, hugged his neck, and went and got him a steak from the fatted calf. Couldn't he have done that? He had a choice in how he responded. Right? This is yes, this is no. He did not have to get bitter and angry at his brother. It wasn't what the brother did. The father could have been bitter, right? But he chose to be thrilled to have his son home. Bitterness is not what happens around us. Bitterness is what we choose to allow to happen in us. Now, what happens when we make that decision? Let's look then at the characteristics of bitterness. Look in the next verse. Look in verse 28. There it is. He was angry. He was angry and would not go in to the house. Wouldn't go in to the party. He wouldn't do it. And so the first characteristic of bitterness is seen here in how this son reacts. When he finds out and he becomes angry at the blessings of his brother. When he gets angry at the blessings of his brother. Now, I'm not about to ask you to raise your hand. In a minute, I am going to ask you to come to the altar. But I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Have you ever been so angry, so upset, so bitter with someone that when they have good fortune, it ticks you off?
first characteristic of bitterness, anger. Listen, bitterness is the very opposite of love. Bitterness weeps when others rejoice. Bitterness gets upset when others have good things. If we get sad when someone else gets glad, that is a sign of bitterness at work in our life. Now, I want to remind you, it's not my passage for this morning, but the book of Hebrews calls bitterness. It says it is the root. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up in your heart. A friend of mine uh, put up a post this morning uh, on, uh, on social media of a tree on his farm that back during Hugo, Hugo was in what, 89? Is that right? 34, 30, almost 34 years ago now. 34 years, I guess, in September. And he said that tree, everybody thought that tree was dead. But it never did anything to it because it was still standing. And he showed, put up a picture this morning. And, and, and that picture, you can see, it didn't have a lot. But it still had a few little green leaves. still had a few, 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 few signs of life. Bitterness is a root. You carry it around long. You ever seen that? You'll think a tree's dead. You'll think a plant's dead. And the next thing you know, boop, up it'll come. That's the way bitterness works. You'll think, I got it, I got it. And the next thing you know, something will happen. Poof. It'll blossom. First characteristic of bitterness is when we're angry when somebody else is happy. Second characteristic we see in this story of bitterness is a critical spirit. Look what he says. It's this son as he comes up. He, he, he protests. He says, I'm not going to that party. That's a stupid party anyway. Never threw me a party. Why would you give somebody a party for wasting their inheritance? I'm not going to that party right there in the last half of verse 28. And so his father goes out and he begs him to come into the party. He begs him to come in and be part of it, but he refused. And then he reveals his really critical spirit. When you look at it in, in verse 29, and you look at what he says there uh, at the end of verse uh, 29, when he says, Man, all these years, I've served you. I've been over backwards for you. And now this son, he comes home and you're going to throw a party like this? What kind of father are you? Is that not pretty much what he was saying? No, that wasn't what he was saying. He was saying, you a lousy father. I can't believe you'd do something like this. His bitterness now, as I said a moment ago, has now spread from the son to, from his brother to his father. He was probably already a little irritated at his brother for taking the inheritance and leaving to begin with. Now he's really aggravated at his brother and really aggravated at his father. Listen, notice what he says. He says, as he, you, want to see, you want to see a sign that really shows his bitterness? Look in those verses. See what he says? He says, this son of yours. How many of y'all have that happen at your house? 
I have noticed at my house, sometimes I have children. Sometimes Rhonda has children. And then on occasion, we have children. And then on some occasions, don't either one of us know. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Debbie's with me. Yeah. This son of yours, not this brother of mine, this son of yours. That tells you a lot about his bitterness, doesn't it? He doesn't claim it. I don't know it. That's your son. Hey, I, if I had a nickel for every time I've said that in my, in, in, in my, in my marriage, I'd take y'all all to lunch at a really nice place. That's your child. Acting like your side of the family. Yeah. That's your son. Your son. This son of yours. And bitterness. I said it a moment ago. Bitterness always springs. If you don't deal with it, bitterness will spring. Bitterness is something you can't, you can't, it's not like a laser. You can't, I can't just zero in and be bitter at dead. Full on, I'll be bitter at Taylor and Dana. You know, at CD for sitting on the same road with them. I mean, it just, it just, you know, and, and next thing you know, I'll be Jim for sitting behind them. Matter of fact, all of them for sitting in here with them. Yeah. It just, and then people live out there beside them. Them too. I don't like nobody on that whole street. Yeah. It just, it's the way bitterness works. You can't keep bitterness, you can't keep it correct. Yeah. Bitterness is like that goat we had. Man, he built a fence 27 feet high. And she was coming out of it. Don't know how. Don't know where. She was Houdini. You can't keep bitter, bitterness roped up. It will not happen. Bitterness is never directed. It will never stay directed at one person. It always ends up, if, if I'm bitter with Debbie, I'll get angry with anybody who's nice to her. What bitterness does? Listen, the brother, think about it. Here it is. The brother, this is how bad bitterness works. The brother was willing to sacrifice his relationship with his father because he was angry at the brother. Now, Jesus doesn't fill in the family tree. But I remember enough biology to know that if there's a father and two brothers, somewhere there's a mom. Would y'all agree with that? I'm going to go out on the limb and say somewhere, if a brothers and a mama and a daddy, somewhere there's some grandparents. In other words, this young man ultimately was willing to sacrifice his relationship with his whole family because of his bitterness with his brother. Bitterness shows up in the anger of ble the blessings of others and in a critical spirit. Now, the consequences of bitterness. Some of you say, well, that ain't all bad yet. Yeah. Let's talk about what happens. Look in verse 29. Verse 29. He says, he answers his father. 
And he says to him, all these years, I served you, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. And, and notice something. The father doesn't say, oh, wait a minute. You don't you remember that time you did? Evidently, the son was telling the truth. He'd been a good son. He'd done everything the father had asked you to do. Yet, you never gave me a kid. Again, father doesn't contradict him. Father doesn't say, oh, don't you remember back two years ago when we had that big party? No. Evidently, again, the son's telling the truth. That I might make merry with my friends. Again, there's at least... Two consequences of bitterness. Notice what happens in verse 29. Instead of being happy, his brother is home. Instead of being happy, there's a party happening. Instead of being happy, there's steak for supper. He's mad. Bitterness robs us of our joy. Bitterness, again, it's got to. Bitterness is the very opposite of joy. Bitterness takes away any joy. Takes away the joy he had from being a family member. I'm sure if we had more details, if this story was allowed to be played out, at some point this, young, this older brother would have said, I don't even want to be part of this family anymore. No Does that sound reasonable? Based on what we do know? I don't want nothing to do with none of it. In fact, he sees himself, if you read this story, he sees himself not as a son, but as a slave. He sees himself as one of his father's servants. He has no joy in his work. He has no joy in the fact that he knows, listen, he knows now that everything that his father has will be his one day. His brother's already got his inheritance. No joy in that. By Jewish law, the oldest son would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance to begin with. And so he was going to get twice as much as his brother to start with. And now everything that the father had was going to be his. Again, think about it this way. The, the, the younger son took his inheritance here, right? Now, the father is obviously still alive and still working, still got a farm, still growing. And so when the younger son took his piece of the inheritance, from that point on, the inheritance should have... Continued to grow, right? So now the older son is going to get it all and is going to get a way bigger portion than the younger son ever did to begin with. No joy. No happiness. Just bitterness. Just bitterness. Again, the younger son's back. I won't have to tend the whole garden. I won't have to do all the work. You know, for the average bear, that, you know, that would have been yeehaw. I'm going to tell you something, as an only child. There's a lot of advantages to being an only child. Right, Arch? And a lot of bad to being an only child, too. Me and Arch has had this conversation a time or two. 
I told Archie years ago when his dad was getting sick, I said, the good thing about being an only child is you don't have anybody to argue with. The good thing, I mean, the good thing about being an only child is you don't have anybody to argue with. bad thing about being an only child is you don't have nobody to argue with. <laughs> Whatever you do, you got to go do it all. If you got to go to the doctor, you got to take them. They need tending, you tend them. Now, now this man's, he's got somebody come back. He ought to have been thrilled to death. Now, joy robbed him of his bitterness. Joy causes us, uh, bitterness causes us to lose our joy. Bitterness causes us to self-destruct. Perfect example. Let me jump out of this story for a minute and tell you about the story of Saul. Remember Saul? Saul, the very first king of Israel, had everything going for him. The Bible said he was good looking. He was popular. He was tall. He was talented. He had everything going for him. But then there was a little boy come along, a little teenage boy, a little shepherd boy named David. And after David killed Goliath, and the Israelites danced around and were singing, Saul's killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Saul got angry, got jealous, lost his mind, and wanted to kill David. Ended up costing Saul his throne. Costing Saul his life. Bitterness will cause you to self-destruct. Bitterness will destroy you. David could have helped Saul defeat the Philistines. But instead, it defeated Saul. Bitterness will destroy you. Look at this young man. This young son. Very same thing. Destroyed him. Destroyed who he was. Destroyed his relationship with his family. Destroyed his relationship with his brother. See, here's what I know about this story. My mama told me something many years ago. Some of you have probably heard something similar. You can drive a nail in a piece of wood. You can go back later and pull that nail out. The nail will be gone, but the hole will always be there. The things his son said that day will always be there. His relationship with his brother, his relationship with his father will probably never be the same again. Third thing, third consequence of bitterness is ultimately, and here's where it gets really deep. It alienates us, it separates us from God. Rather than, again, I've already pointed this out, rather than get rid, you can't overlook the spiritual side of this story. This is not just about the story of a father and a son. Parables have a spiritual meaning. The, the son was willing to ruin his relationship with his father over bitterness. Bitterness will cost you your relationship with your father. That's what bitterness does. When we harbor bitterness in our heart, it damages our relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. Kenny, put you on the spot here. Somebody is treating Charlotte and Lindsay bad, being mean to Charlotte and Lindsay, whatever way. You gonna take them to lunch today? Probably not. Might pound on their head for a while. Dale, 
Jared mistreats Dana. Which part of your back 40 are we going to find him buried on? He going to be fish bait down there in the pond? Archie, Ryan doesn't treat Tabitha right. The Archie's the one that really scares me more than, I know Kenny's a big fella and Dale's a Marine, but Archie's them kind of silent type. And when they snap, man, they, they kill everybody. Yeah. He's the one you gotta watch. Kenny can't sneak up on you. He, you know, you see him coming. You know, Dale might have been a Marine, might know all that. You know, kill you with a straw or something. Archie, he's been bottled up for years. When that boy snaps, it's going to be ugly. Why? Because if you're bad to my child, I'm done with you. When you're bitter towards one of God's children, do you think, as Debbie, I haven't heard you say this in a while, but Debbie used to say all the time, God don't like ugly. You're bitter and hateful and mean towards one of God's children. You think God's going to step in and go, ah, isn't that sweet? If Kenny's got enough sense to take care of a person who was mean to his daughters, or Dale would take care of one who was mean to his daughter, Archie would take care of one who was mean, don't you think God gets a little unhappy when people are bitter and hateful and mean towards his children? Damages our relationship with God. All right, let's put the rubber to the road. What do we do about it? Luke 15, beginning in the last, the last two verses, verse 31. Son, you're with me forever. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. It was good. It was meant that we should make merry. For your brother was dead. As far as the father knew, the brother was dead. He hadn't heard from him, hadn't seen him. He was dead, but now he's alive. The father reminds the son of three things that show us the secret for dealing with bitterness. First, you've got to remember who we are. Remember who you are. One of the greatest tools that I can point you towards. I can't give it to you. I can point you towards it. A lot of scripture. I've preached messages on this very topic. And that is our identity. Who I am in Jesus Christ. Son, remember. Notice what he said. Remember what the brother said a while ago? Your son. But notice what the father says to him. The father says, my son. Son, you're my son too. You're my son too. You're my son. When you're tempted to be bitter, when bitterness comes knocking, when bitterness starts to kind of try to creep in, you got to remember who you are and whose you are. Who you are and whose you are. 
You are a child of the king. Act like it. You're a child of God. When we realize that, remember that, we understand there's no excuse for bitterness, especially towards another person who is a child of God. One of the saddest things ever, one of the most damaging things in the history of the church has been Christians who are professing Christians who get angry and bitter and mean towards each other inside the church. Remember who you are. Second, we have to remember that God will always give us what we deserve. Son, my son, your inheritance hasn't been affected by all this. You haven't lost anything. Just because I'm throwing a party for him, just because I've restored him, son, you haven't lost anything. Let me remind you, there is nothing Melissa can do to me that will affect my change, my relationship with God. No matter how mean she might be, no matter how contrary and cranky she might be, <laughs> She can't affect my relationship with God. She can't affect who I am in God. Son, your relation, your, your inheritance hasn't been changed one penny. You're still my son. You're still going to get everything that is due to you. Your son, your brother, he has squandered his. It's gone. He'll never get it back. There's nothing changing that. But you... Everything I have is yours, he says. One of the things that bothers us the most sometimes is when we see somebody that we think is undeserving succeeding in this world. Life's unfair. And we get angry and we get bitter. But remember, God will give you everything you deserve. He will take care of his. And finally, and this is the hard one, I understand. Final thing we do with bitterness is we end up doing the right thing. Look at the father. Oh, son, you're upset? Well, let me answer the point. Let me send everybody home. Let me pour out all the drinks and throw out all the food and tell the musician to quit making that racket. Let me stop it all. Yep. Father says, we're going to have a party. We're going to do what's right because my son that was dead is alive. And we're going to sing and we're going to dance and we're going to eat and you can come in and sing and dance and eat or you can sit out here and pout we're going to do the right thing. We're going to... See, the Father could have... Just, you know one of the easiest things to do when somebody's bitter? Respond with bitterness. The Father could have got angry. The, 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 the brother's bitterness almost ruined him. And it could have ruined the Father. He says, nope. Now 
going to do it. Now go in there. I'm going to do the right thing. Dealing with bitterness, you do the right thing. The secret for overcoming bitterness. Remember who you are and whose you are. Remember that God in due time will give you everything you deserve. And always do the right thing. Now here's something I've never noticed before, I don't think. I'm upset about that party, Daddy. We know what the Daddy did. Daddy's tough. We have a party. Can anybody in here tell me what the older brother did? Isn't that an interesting fact about this parable? Did the older brother go into the party? Or did the older brother go off to the barn and pack? Which did he do? Doesn't tell us. Doesn't tell us. I can't stand here today and tell you for sure. I'd like to tell you. The, uh, the older brother said, you know, Daddy, you're right. I'm being a jerk. I'm going to come in and give me some steak. I'm going to come in and hug my brother's neck. But I can't tell you that. Story doesn't have any in it. We don't know whether the brother went in and joined the party or left town. We don't know. Jesus left that up to the Pharisees who were hearing the story and he leaves it up to me and you. More importantly this morning, you are now the older brother. Are you going into the party or are you going to the barn? Are you leaving town? Are you stomping off in anger? Will you fellowship with the Father? Or are you going to stay in the field of bitterness? I want to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. There's somebody in this room. There's somebody joining us online. Who you are struggling and wrestling with bitterness. It may be from 30, 40 years ago. But you can still see their face. You still remember what they said. You still remember what happened. Will you come into the party and fellowship with the Father? Because I assure you, your bitterness is affecting your relationship with God. Or you want to stay in the field. What are you going to do with that bitterness? In a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing an old song. It's called, Speak to My Heart. Would you allow the Holy Spirit this morning to speak to your heart?
coming in and apart, or you staying in the field. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, I ask you today to touch our hearts. Stir us and move us. God, to help us see the damage that bitterness is doing in our life. May it be carrying it for years, may it be fresh. But God, you want to restore our fellowship with you and with our brothers. God, convict us this morning. Speak to our hearts. Open our hearts. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll bring us to this altar. With repentance, with tears, with confession. Leaving that bitterness behind. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. As we stand.
Um, I can't even tell you where. It may be here for all I know. Uh, we're going to meet with um, uh, Metroline Church and uh, River Rock uh, for a night of worship. And we encourage you, if you possibly can, to, to be there for that. Uh, one of the big things, obviously we all need to gather, we all need to worship, we'll do us all good. Uh, but Metroline Church is a church that started several years ago. Um, and was um, they were meeting at an Odell school. Uh, they had moved, they used to meet in the clubhouse at Moss Creek, and they moved into um, Odell. Well, about the time they moved in Odell, um, COVID kept broke loose, and they got kicked out of, uh, out of Odell and didn't have anywhere to meet. They've been, they've met in barns, they've met in sheds, they've met in open fields, they've not met. And this was a, this church was growing and doing really well, but you can imagine what that, and so as much as anything is to help encourage them as they're trying to, now that they're able to gather and all, um, and so uh, I think it'll be a great night together to worship, uh, and so put that on your calendar, um, mark that Saturday evening, uh, and I'll get you the details about that as it gets, uh, as I get once we're going to meet this week and discuss what we're doing and how we're doing it. All right, um, remember again, uh, Tommy's got the budget over there. Um, real quick word about it, it's pretty much the same uh, as last year. Uh, thank you again for your faithfulness. Um, if you will, just take like one for a family. Uh, unless you and your spouse just absolutely cannot share. Um, but uh, if you will, just take one uh, for each family. I didn't run a whole bunch of them. And um, so if you get one of those, uh, and we'll... Uh, to, to give you a week to look at that and we'll vote on it uh, next week. Uh, one other thing um, and um, that uh, we're going to do, uh, we have to do, we have a choice, uh, and uh, already got the workers lined up. Uh, there is some water damage over uh, at the parsonage uh, around the box and, and, and gutters and things, and we've uh, already got somebody lined up to come work on that before the house falls down and the squirrels and birds move in the attic. Uh, and so uh, we'll be seeing some work uh, going on over there. I'll tell you how much it was and how much it you know, lets you vote on, but we don't know. If you've ever dealt with rotten stuff, you just start tearing it out and you find good stuff and you fix it. And so, um, and um, just tell you this, this part of this will be Wallace's final um, gift, labor for our church. Um, I, I don't. I guess I could tell this. Nobody told me I couldn't. Uh, Wallace, many years ago, uh, had uh, the bank had called and Wallace left part of his estate uh, to the church, and uh, so uh, we will uh, we'll take that money and use uh, use that um, for uh, these repairs. And I think that would honor uh, honor him uh, for all the labor he's done around here and. In saying that, let me say one other thing. Um, if you are so inclined um, to include the church in your will, um, would you talk to me about that? As Baptists, we have a group that can help you do that in a much better way. Um, again, I, I think I can say this. There's no relatives left, really. Dot Hartzell, those of you who remember Dot, they told me many years ago that she left us 10% of her estate. Those of you who know that, I know she ended up spending about 
10 years in assisted living and just ate up everything she had. And when she did pass away, that what was 10% of her estate ended up being just a couple hundred dollars. Um, and so there's a better way to do that. Uh, it's a Baptist foundation that uh, we have part of who we are as Baptists. And if, you, if you're even thinking about that, um, that's what they do. Uh, they can help you. Not just, not if you just want to leave it to the church, but they can show you ways that you can benefit the kingdom of God through your estate. Um, and, and I think it will be very beneficial. Um, I'm just going to, when I die, we're just going to put all the bills in a pack and let you come by and pick one up. Uh, but for those of you who have stuff to wheel, uh, this is a, a great uh, group of guys. Robert will uh, be glad to sit down with you. He'll come out to your house and sit down and uh, give you some guidance. All right, let's bow as we dismiss. All right, um, Tommy Anderson, you dismiss us, please.